Likutei Sicha is Chelik Tezvav, Volume 15, the third Sicha for Parshas Chayisore. This is a Rashi Sicha, which will not only explain the Rashi, but moreover, it will exemplify the greatness of the lighting of the Shabbos candles by Jewish women in general, and in particular, by young girls. This is something that in that time period, the Rebbe was speaking very strongly about, as only a few months prior to when the Sicha was said, the Rebbe came out with the Miftzak, with the campaign of encouraging Jewish women and girls to light Shabbos candles. Just as an introduction to remind ourselves some of the Klolim, some of the rules in Rashi, number one, that even the Dibur Hamaschal, even the heading in Rashi, in other words, the words that Rashi chooses to quote from the respective verse, also have a very strong importance in understanding the question of Rashi and understanding also what compelled Rashi to explain what he explained. Another rule, even when Rashi brings a medrash, typically that medrash, although it is medrash, but typically after reviewing it, one could actually see, it starts to come out how that is read, so to speak, in the Pshute Shomikra, in the simple basic meaning of the verse, and eventually you can actually see it. So, the, the Sikha begins on the chapter 24, Pasik 67. Over there it describes how after Eliezer brought Rivka, and he's standing outside and he explains to Yitzchak all that occurred, all the miracles that transpired, and how compelling it is and how convincing it is that she is certainly the right one for him. So the verse tells us by Viel Yitzchak, and Yitzchak brought her, that is Rivka, Ha'oihela Sada Imai, to the tent, Sada his mother. And then it continues that he took Rivka as a wife and he loved her and he found comfort in her for the loss of his mother. So Rashi quotes the three words, Ha'oihela Sara Imai, the tent, into the tent, Sarah his mother. And he explains that what does it mean? That the way it should be read is that as if to say, that he brought her, quote, into the tent, and behold, she was Sarah his mother. Meaning, says Rashi, that she was exactly like Sarah his mother. And he explains, you see, that all, as long as Zara was alive, there was number one, there was a candle that remained lit from Erev Shabbos to Erev Shabbos. Number two, there was a special blessing in the dough. And number three, there was always a unon kosher al oil. there was always a cloud, a presence of the Shekhinah that was always there, presence over the tent. However, when Sarah Imenu passed away, they all disappeared, they all went away, and they all returned when Rivka came and that when she emerged. And that's how Yitzchak knew, and this was what became so compelling, that she was the right one. And then Rashi concludes with the words Bereshis Rabbah in parentheses, meaning it's a it's Tash is telling us that this is a quote from the Medrash, the Medrash Bereshis Rabbah. Now the Mefarshim explains, says the Rebbe, that what compelled Rashi to explain this. Because the truth is that the way the verse is written seems to be a little odd. 
it should have just said that he brought her to the tent of Sarah, his mother. But the fact that the Torah writes with a prefix of a hey, which emphasizes that it's the tent, which typically indicates that it's, so to speak, the known tent or the obvious tent, this seems to imply that there's something unique over here, that there was something already well established about, quote, this tent, and therefore, Rashi felt compelled to explain that what it's saying is, when he brought her into the tent, and behold, Sarah, she was Sarah, his mother. So now the Rebbe asks several questions. Number one, if this is the case, in other words, this is what compelled Rashi, then all Rashi should have quoted in the heading was, Sarah. Why quote the third word, Imoy, his mother? Okay, why is that prudent for the explanation in Rashi? It seems that Rashi is only addressing the words, Sarah. Number two, another question. Why does Rashi have to go into all the details to enumerate all the various miracles that took place? Why did he not just suffice by saying there was something special and she was like Sarah, his mother? And why go into spelling out all three miracles? This is the third question already. He could have just said there were several miracles that took place that became very compelling to him and told him that she was like his mother, Sarah. Now, another question Usually, if Rashi finds it necessary to quote a Medrash, usually he will preface it by saying, Rabbi Seinu Darshu, our teachers, our rabbis, darshaned in the Medrash, and then he quotes the Medrash. But over here, it seems to be a little odd. This is an anomaly, where first he quotes everything which seems and appears as if it's pure Pshute Shomikra, as if it's just standard, simple basic meaning of the verse only at the end does he indicate in the parentheses voracious rabba that this is from the medrash why did he do this because you know all along so to speak it, it like gives an impression as if it's all shamikra, and suddenly rashi changes it and says well it's a medrash this is very exceptional this is something extraordinary for rashi style says the rabbi the explanation in all of this you see Rashi had an issue. What alerted Rashi to this whole matter and why he felt compelled to explain it is because these three words, Ha'oihela, Sarah, Imai, to the tent, Sarah, his mother, all seem to be superfluous, all seem to be extra. Because if you think about it, what is the narrative? The narrative is, as we said in the introduction, Eliezer came. He tells Yitzhak the whole story as they're standing outside. And what's the next order of business? Yitzchak, after hearing everything, took her in for a wife. Why mention at all? Why in the first place does the Torah mention that it was the tent of Sarah, his mother? What is this? Why is this any importance? Or it seems to be playing an important role in compelling Yitzchak to get married with her. What is it? Therefore, Rashi understood that although Eliezer had told him a compelling story, everything that happened, yet there was still something more than that that compelled Yitzchak and that like almost like you can say clinched the deal in Yitzchak's mind and made him certain that this is the right person for him. And that's why the Torah adds the three words, that only after 
this took place, the Oihala and Sarah and Imoi, that's when the Pasa continues that he took her for a wife. In other words, it's these three things that made it clear to him that this is the woman he wants to marry. What are these three things? Therefore, Rashi spells out. Now we understand how it all connects to the actual words in the Pasik. The tent, that is the miracle of the cloud which hovered over the tent, which was a sign, a representation of Hashem's presence, the Shekhinah being present there. And where does Rashi see that? Where does Rashi know this? Where do you see in Shemikra a precedent for this? If you recall the story of the Akedah, it says that yeah, Avraham Avinu saw the place from afar, and he knew that's the place that he has to go to. And over there too, Rashi told us, how did he know that this is the place? Because when you see the place, when it has the prefix of the, what he saw there was a cloud. He saw the cloud of the Shekhinah, the cloud of glory. He knew that is the place. So, so too here, when it says, the tent, this is an indicator that there's something about a cloud, the presence of God that was there on the tent. So that's number one. Number two, the next word in the verse is Sarah. And that connects to, that pertains to the miracle that has a special connection to Sarah. Sarah herself, specifically Sarah. Where do we see something about bread, about the dough, that has a special unique connection to Sarah? This is in the story we had in last week's Parsha, in Parsha's Vayera, where when Avram invites the three guests, the three angels, it's clear and obvious from the verse that he ran and took care of everything. He prepared the food and he prepared the cows and he, prepared, he gave them the milk to eat and he gave them everything. But there's one thing, there's one thing that he delegated to Sarah and that is when he said to her, go quickly and knead the dough and prepare the breads, prepare the ugas, prepare the cakes for the, for, the, uh, for the guest. So there you see already a precedent that the bread, the, the Esau, the dough had a special unique connection to Sarah. So therefore, when it says something about Sarah, Impshute Shemikra can be understood, and it's obvious that this has to do with the blessing of the bread. And now the third word, Imoi, his mother. What is special and unique about mother? So even a child, meaning the, the uh, child learning on, on the Menchamishan Lamikra, the legendary student of the Torah, as coined in the Mishnah, the one who was only five years old, meaning elementary level, basic elementary level studying Chumash, knows and sees every week that in his home, who lights the candles? Who is in charge of making sure that the Shabbos candles are lit? His mother. Now it's true that it could be also there's a sister or maybe a sister-in-law, but that's not always so typical because it could be a young child who doesn't have young sisters yet who are, li- who are lighting Shabbos candles yet. But certainly he does see that his mother lights Shabbos candles. So when the Torah gives an indication that there's something unique about, quote, his mother, that Rashi knew has to do and is connected to the idea of lighting the Shabbos candles. So this all is perfectly in accordance with with the simple basic meaning and you can see it in the Pasuk itself, in the words of the Pasuk itself. However, there still remains one question, where is there any indicator at all in that those candles which Imoy, which quote his mother lit on Erev Shabbos that they remained lit for, they kept on burning for an entire week until the next Erev Shabbos, that indeed is not Pshutei Shemikra and that's why Rashi adds 
that third, that last point in the parentheses that this at the end of the day is a quotation. He is taking this from the Medrash because that part of the explanation, that part is already not pure Pshutash Mikra, and for that we need to rely on the Medrash. However, there still remains one problem. When you look at the words in the Pasuk, and in fact, if one goes back to the Medrash, which Rashi quotes from, you'll see that the order is not consistent with the way Rashi brings the, brings the explanation. The way Rashi quotes it, first he quotes the candle, that's as number one, the miracle of the candle. Number two, the isa, the dough, the bread. And number three, the cloud that hovered over the tent. But it doesn't seem consistent with the order in the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, and the order should have been first the cloud, then the dough, the bread, and then the candle. Why does Rashi bring it in this order? The answer is because, because this whole entire matter is meaning these three things, is what brought Yitzchak, what compelled him and made him decide to marry her Meaning that after he saw these things and he recognized, he realized that she is like his mother, Sarah, therefore it makes sense that the most compelling thing, in other words, the strongest indicator that it was like Sarah is something that has most connection and most connectivity to Sarah herself and not only Sarah as a person, but Sarah as a tzedekah, to her piety. Where do you see it the most? In other words, where is the first order? What's the most compelling thing? The candle. Because the candle, lighting the Shabbos candles is a mitzvah. So not only does this connect to Sarah, but it connects to Sarah as she did her mitzvahs, lit the Shabbos candles. So the first order of of convincing, so to speak, that Yitzchak had was seeing the Shabbos candles and seeing, according to Pshut Shemikra, seeing Rivka light the Shabbos candles and seeing the effect that it had, this told him that he is like his mother Sarah, not only that she lights the candles, but in her in her act, in the action of mitzvahs, the effect that her mitzvahs has on the whole entire home. The next order is something which is also very much connected to Sarah herself, and that's then that's the idea of the bread, as we said before. However, not necessarily in the engagement of a direct mitzvah. It's not necessarily a mitzvah. It's just something that has to do with the home. And that's why that is the second thing that Rashi enumerates. The third thing, which is the cloud that hovered over the tent, again, that is something which was affected by Sarah, by her greatness, but it wasn't a direct consequence, a direct consequence a direct um, result, that is, I'm sorry, of her direct actions. So this explains the Rashi. Now the Rebbe goes into the most wonderful things that you see from this Rashi, amazing things that one can derive from this Rashi. Says the Rebbe, you see that Rashi, we know according to Rashi, as you already had told us in this Parsha, Rivka was only three years old. And you see that she lit Shabbos candles. Number one, prior to her marriage, number two, even prior to her being bas mitzvah, her being of age. And this is so important, this is so, so, so um, compelling that this is what moved Yitzchak. This is what convinced Yitzchak to realize that this is the right woman, she is like his mother Sarah. And it's understood, says the Rebbe, if we know the halacha, 
that it's obvious that that house did not go without Shabbos candles all this time between Sarah's passing and the appearance of Rivka. Because the halacha is that if there's no woman in the house to light the candles, then the man of the house has to light the candles. So it's clear and obvious that Avram Avinu lit the candles. Avram Avinu lit them. And therefore, it's not that the house was void of candles. It's not like when Rivka showed up and there was no one else to light Shabbos candles, so she did it. No. Even though Avram Avinu was lighting Shabbos candles, yet Rivka made it a point to light Shabbos candles. So from here you see, says the Rebbe, a clear directive that also young girls prior to the wedding and prior to their bas mitzvah, even though there's someone else in the home lighting Shabbos candles, they should light the Shabbos candles. So that's one amazing thing which you see from this Rashi. Another thing, another wonderful thing, says the Rebbe, as we mentioned, it is certain and obvious that Abraham Avinu lit his Shabbos candles. But yet, amazingly, Abraham Avinu's candles did not have that lingering effect, did not have that impact on the home like the candles of Rivka. Avram Avinu's candles didn't burn from Erev Shabbos to Erev Shabbos. And that's why Yitzchak noticed this amazing phenomena only when Rivka came back and that reminded him of his mother. So from here, says the Rebbe, you can see the tremendous power, the tremendous impact of the lighting of candles, even of a little child. As long as she's the daughter of Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah that she has the power to illuminate the entire home for the entire week. Now, indeed, says the Rebbe, this is the case. Every time a Yiddish woman or a Yiddish child, even a young girl, lights the Shabbos candles, it has a lingering effect, a positive effect on the home. It illuminates the home for the entire week until the next Shabbos, until the next time the candles are lit. The only difference is that by Rivka, not only did this take place spiritually, but actually physically you can see the candle burning by, 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 by matter of miracle. The candle remained burning for seven days. Whereas today, the candle itself, the physical candle may go out, but the spiritual candle, the effect of the candle, the impact, the spiritual impact of this illumination lingers on for the entire week till the next Shabbos. Another thing, says the Rebbe, another wonderful thing that you see specifically in the lighting of candles of young girls, maybe even more, which makes it even greater and perhaps even greater priority over the lighting of candles of the adults, of the mothers, who certainly, according to Allah, without any doubt, according to all accounts need to light the Shabbos candles and the Rebbe bases it on what the Chazal say in, in the Gemara the Chazal talk about the greatness of Torah that is studied by by the little tiny tots by the little children who were just beginning to study Torah and the, Torah, and the, Torah, the Gemara says how valuable it is why? because it's Hevel it's a breath that has absolutely no sin in it in other words it's so pure it's so pristine and likewise, says the Rebbe, is the candles, are the candles that are lit by young girls. However, question is, why is it so? What indeed is the reason that Avram's candles did not last for seven days, but Rivka's did? In other words, the woman's candles did. And we say not only the women in general, but particularly the young children. Why is it so? What, what was Avram? Avram Avinu was a big tzaddik. Why, wasn't his, his, why weren't his candles so effective? The answer is, the sages tell us that the general difference in mode of avoida, the approach and the, and the, and the, and the so to speak, the, the, um, the, the delegation 
the purpose, the general, um, the general purpose of men versus women, women versus men. It says that darkoy shel ish lichboich. That the the, the 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 manner of a person is to go out and conquer. In other words, the man's place, man's place is outside. Man's place is outside to make a living, to conquer, to conquest, to, to, to be out there and make things happen. And even when he comes home, he says he brings home only the kernel, so to speak. It's the woman in the home. The woman who called Kvuda Basmelech Pnima. Her task is to be primarily the, the, the glory, the beauty, the modesty of the home. And that's the ultimate beauty of a bas melech, of a daughter of a king, of a, a queen, of a princess, is to be in a modest setting, meaning to be inside the home, not confined to the home, not restrained to the home, but that is the beauty, that's where she contributes her special touch, that she, this is her domain, this is where she brings in the light, this is where she makes everything happen, this is where she cultivates a beautiful family, and therefore, since Avram was compelled to light the candles, according to Halacha, but ultimately it's not his main purpose, this is not what he was tasked with, so to speak, as being a male, being a man. Therefore, when he lit the candles, it just lasted for the time that it lasted. But the woman, since that's her purpose, that's her whole task in life, is to bring light into the home and, and, and to affect the home and to make that house into a warm home, therefore... When she lit the when she lights the candles, and especially we see it in the case of Rivka and Sarah, when they lit the candles, it had a desired effect on the entire home. Going back now to the order in Rashi, just another beautiful esoteric point that we can really see over here and see how wonderful it is that the order is not by coincidence and it's very specific and very exact. Can also explain it based on what the sages tell us that the three main mitzvahs of the woman are chala, nida, and lighting the candles. Now, when you look at these three mitzvahs, chala is, of course, like the dough in this, in this Rashi. Nida is the, is the idea of the cloud, because when the home is a pure home and there's holiness, then you have the presence of Hashem over the home. And, of course, the candles, lighting the candles, is what Rivka did, the first thing that Rashi enumerated. But you see the order in Rashi, because it's just very practical and very typical that the order should go in this way. First, a girl starts lighting her candles when she's very young. She's just enough old that maybe somebody can help her light the candles, hold her hand and light, and light the candles and make the blessing. She's maybe three years old. Then, as she gets a little older, as she matures, that's when she starts helping out, most likely, with the tasks in the home. Thus, the next thing in line, the bread, the food. And when she gets even older and she gets married, that's when the, uh, the third mitzvah comes in, the mitzvah of Nida, which is the mitzvah associated with bringing the holiness and godliness into the home. I just want to conclude that this sicha has something amazing at the end, which I don't, I've never seen in any other sicha, where the Rebbe makes a conclusion, and it's in bold letters, and I'm going to read it almost verbatim from the sicha itself. It says the Rebbe, from all of this, it's understood the great merit that there is in making an effort that every single Jewish girl, how, as long as she had already reached the age of chinuch, meaning that she's able to just say the blessing, that she should see, you see to it that she should light Shabbos candles every Erev Shabbos and Erev Yantav. And through the lighting of the Shabbos candles, we will certainly merit to the fulfillment of what it says in the Yalkut Shemoni in the Medrash, 
that we will that when by lighting the Shabbos candles we will merit to see the candles of Tzion, the candles of Zion, that the Eivishter, meaning Hakadosh Baruch Hu, the one above, will show us very soon, speedily, with the redemption, uh, with the full and complete redemption.